So welcome back to Love Someone with Delilah, our podcast that we've been doing for the last couple of years, talking to people who are changing the world one heart at a time. We've talked to educators. We've talked to people in all different walks of life who are using their gifts, their talents, their skills to impact the world for good. And with me in the studio right now is Wayne. How do you say your last name? Chimente? Chimente. Chimente. Roz Delaney and Polly Noel. And then we've got a couple of other students that came with Wayne today to my studio to do this podcast. And you are representing the Community Boat Project. That's right. Changing lives. One boat at a time. (laughs) Not one heart at a time, one boat at a time. I love that. So before we get into what you actually do at the Community Boat Project, I need to tell our listeners about our wonderful sponsor of this podcast series, uh, a business I'm sure you are intimately familiar with because you're builders, The Home Depot. The Home Depot is the sponsor of our podcast and the number one retailer of power tools and accessories. You live in a farmhouse like I do, and you realize what a time saver having the right power tool and knowing how to operate it can be. Whatever type of home you live in, power tools let you fix, repair, or assemble faster and more proficiently. The Home Depot is set up to help you find just the right tools, and they have every one of the biggest brands, too. It's quite a display says the woman who is no stranger to visiting the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Uh, First off, I wanted to tell listeners how I found you, Wayne. Late at night after I finished the show, one of the ways that I de-stress after talking on the radio for five hours is I go online and I look for weird, strange, cool art objects or animals to rescue or whatever, Uh, That will add character to my farm. And I stumbled across this tiny house that was like a gypsy caravan that was beautiful. And I said, I need that. (laughs) I I think I need that. A lot of people look at that, have the same response. I got to have it. And then, you know, the next day, uh, reason comes into it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was one of those people that thought I had to have it, but I was... I was fascinated with the craftsmanship of this little tiny house. And it looks like a gypsy caravan. It was very colorful and and very pretty. And you wrote to me and you explained who had built the tiny house. So tell us how the tiny houses came to be, because that's not really a boat, but how that came to be part of the Community Boat Project. Yeah, I think our name, Community Boat Project, is now become sort of a misnomer because we, we build everything. In fact, I was thinking that maybe we should just switch it from community boat project to just community builders. And um, we have high school students that come in and then we have uh, mentors from the community. Those mentors can be everything from violin makers to ex-physicists to ex-architects to wood carvers, to just Joe Schmo to, you know, somebody who's a cook who likes to, you know, make barbecue or, or, or make cakes. And... Um, so you have a bunch of students who are in the room and some of them know what they want to learn. Other ones don't know what they want to learn. They, they just looking for something 
to stimulate their passion in learning. And we try, say, what do you want? Do you want to try building a boat? Do you want to try building a, a musical instrument? Do you want to try building a tiny house? We, I think I built our first tiny house about five years ago. It was a real winner in that a lot of students loved the notion of tiny houses, particularly in our county, Jefferson County. Although it's a rural county, everybody thinks of it as gentrified. Port Townsend, it actually has a higher homeless population than, than King County. And it's just that those people are living in the woods and not under bridges, so you don't see them. Whoa, I did not know that. You would not know that. So it's actually the Community Boat Project of Port Hadlock is the right. is the title. Mm-hmm. And you're in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. And how long? How many years has, has your project been going? This project started in 1993. So we've been running programs for 26 years. Originally, um, I was stopped on the side of the road. I was... I was a tall ship captain at that time, and um, but I was stopped on the side of the road. Wait, 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 wait. You, you just can't throw that out there, Wayne. I was a tall ship captain at the time. You are very tall. You're like 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", but you're not talking about you were a ship captain who is tall. You are talking about the tall ships that go into ports that tour the, the world, right? Yeah, if you're thinking about traditional square riggers or schooners, very large sailing vessels— um, that was my life for 35 years. So when I went to Boston Harbor and they had the tall ships that came in for the 4th of July and these beautiful ships came through the fog at five, six o'clock in the morning as the sun was just beginning to pierce through, you would have been on one of those beautiful, majestic tall ships. Yes, in fact, I did the 1980, one of the very first Boston Tall Ship Festivals in 1980, which then left and we went to Europe afterwards. So I was there in 1990 and 91 on a boat in the harbor and I get seasick, but I didn't care because I wanted to see the tall ships come in. There's something about ships or boats in general that just touch every human's romantic soul. So even though you are not near the water, though you may live in the Midwest, you may be a, you know, a corn farmer, you see a boat, suddenly there's something that touches you deeply. And that's just something about their, their beauty and yet practical. And there's something deeply, deeply in our human psyche that responds to boats. So you, you were a tall ship captain. Where were you at when you transitioned to 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 blessing the community and enabling and inspiring dozens of kids. So in 1993, I was running the Schooner Adventurous, which um, is Puget Sound's local tall ship. It's the environmental, over a hundred year old vessel, just absolutely gorgeous. And uh, I did that for 13 years. So I was running the Adventurous when I first got involved with Marcy Van Cleef, who wanted to just give public school kids, free, high quality experiential experiences. So her thing was, I'm tired of just the rich kids getting the really cool privileges. How can we make it that every kid, if they want to, can get out on a boat, can go water testing in the woods, you know, all the things that, you know, just the private schools do, uh, and let's do it for free and let's, let's make it accredited. So she approached me about doing an on-the-water program, which we call the Voyagers, 
which would take students out every Friday and uh, they would, it would be an accredited class and then go on a two week outward bound style journey uh, in the spring, something that'd be, you know, usually five, $6,000 experience. What was this woman's name? Marcy Van Cleef, St. Marcy Van Cleef. I was Cleave. just going to say, you stole my line. I was going to get hold of the Pope, see yep. if we could get a sainthood for this person, yep. for her uh, insight and her vision. Yeah, because we are only one branch of this incredible program called the Pi Program, where kids learn to repair bikes. There's another one that just is a whole orchestra. Um, there's water, te- you name it, is going on through this Pi Program. It's just about kids following their passion rather than the set high school curriculum. And is it only in your area or has it has it spread to other communities? Because I know in the town I live in, we don't have any of that. Right. Um, Nothing. When they started the PI program, it was one of the very first alternative programs in the public school system in the state of Washington. For us, it has also spread up to the Port Townsend School District in another program, which is very parallel, called Oceans. So, of course, Jefferson County... Port Townsend School District, Chimicum School District, and Quilcene School District. So 26 years ago, this was birthed. Right. And so I helped Marcy when I was off the ship. I had a, you know, I had like a two-week-on, two-week-off schedule with the Adventurous, and I could help Marcy when I was off the ship. Um, Finally, I decided to give up the Adventurous job at one stage, and that coincided with me I was helping Marcy on one of the spring journeys. There was myself, her, another captain, Captain Art, Mary Beth Armstrong. We had a very bad day on the water. We were using some open boats that were a replica of Vancouver's um, longboats. So they were 1800s technology. And we had a day when uh, a front came in a storm. We only needed to go about two miles and we could barely get there because the boats were so bad at going to windward. They didn't row to windward. They didn't sail to windward. We got in that night, sodden, cold. And Marcy said, and MB said, and I said, we need better boats. And Marcy just said, oh, well, let me write a curriculum and we'll just start another class next year. That coincided with me leaving the Adventurous. And we started what was then a boat building program with the idea of having local designers design us boats that were specific for the task, that were safe, they were fast to row, fast to sail, and also had a lot of watertight integrity. And we did it. We just started building boats. With kids, learning to use hand tools, learning to do woodworking. How many kids were in your first program? Well, we had, I think, probably about 10 kids that came in. What did you see happen in their lives, in their personalities, in their character when they started working with you, working with each other, working with the community, building boats? Well, I think one thing is that everybody has to go to school at the high school level, and the curriculum is very narrow about what they offer you. They're They say the humans have at least seven different types of intelligence and we are catering to one. So if you are a great artist, if you're great with your hands, if you're a great kind of engineering problem solver, 
you probably are not going to be a great sit down at the desk all day math and English person. So that's when we start doing something like this, people blossom. Suddenly, people who are good with their hands, people who are good problem solvers, people who are artists, they all get in there and they, they start to feel good about themselves. And guess what? They get credits for it. So I want to talk to, to Polly and Roz. Roz, how long have you been with the program? Um, so I started hanging out at the Community Boat Project when I was 14, when I was a freshman in high school. And I'm 22 now, so that's eight years so when you started, what attracted you? What drew you to the Community Boat Project? I was told that I could get math credits uh, without going to math class. That's a beautiful thing. You got math credits, but you have to use math in building a boat. You have to use a lot of math. Yeah. I mean, I think so much of it is like so many of the things that kind of fit into the math skill set are like so different than like curriculum I mean, that are so different than like arithmetic or other things that you see repeated in like math curriculums, you know, like spatial thinking and uh, reading a tape measure. And what is your favorite thing about the boat building project? What is your area of passion? I mean, so I think for me, I do love to build things. You know, I've built a lot of stuff in my life. I've built uh, some other boats outside of the community boat project, too. What I'm really interested in is I'm interested in problem solving and I'm interested in youth work. Um in my time at the Community Boat Project and just as a student of the Chimicum Pie program, I really just, you know, got to know a lot about how different people are and how when you have just a room full of really different people, how to come together and do great things. And so that was really what struck my fancy. And how many kids have you worked with over the last eight years that you've seen them, like Wayne said, just blossom when they discover that, that they're so incredibly talented and gifted? Oh, a whole bunch. Like a lot of them. I don't have a number for you. 5, 10, 15, 20. Uh, more than that. More than that. I've done some other youth work. I've definitely worked with kind of a lot of kids at this point. And is this the trajectory you're thinking? Are you, are you thinking your life is going to be your life work involved with boats or your life work involved with kids? I'm going to do it all. Do it all. Yeah. And Polly, how long have you been with the program? Um, I started in June, like this June. Oh, so you're a newbie. Yeah, definitely. What attracted you to the program? How did you find your way? Well, college kind of wasn't something that like really excited me. <laughs> and um, I did some running start in high school and it was just, for me, it was just really stressful and it just wasn't something that I could just picture myself doing to get where I wanted to be in life. And that was like, just be able to live like have money and be able to live and just do things like travel and stuff so one day I was sitting in class in my art teacher's room which I stayed like all my senior year pretty much and he met Wayne somehow and he was like hey you should do this program and I was like okay I've never built anything before let's do it and so then I talked to Wayne and I had like a little interview thing and the first time that I ever met him he had me go down to one of the boats and bail it out with water and <laughs> like one of the docks and to me, I was like, this is really cool. Like, this isn't something that you can ever learn inside of a classroom. So he was Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. And instead of wax on, wax yeah. off, he was water out, water out. Exactly. <laughs> and did he give you like a big bucket to bail or a no. spoon? I think an old milk carton. An old <laughs> milk carton. Yeah. Where you cut it open, but yeah. you don't use the handle. Exactly. Wow. You, <laughs> you're tough, Wayne. <laughs> yeah. And if she passed the boat bailing, were you then going to let her in the program? Was this a test to see just how committed she was? Yeah. I mean, life is not all um, dreamy projects. 
you don't get to a great place without doing a lot of grunt work. And so um, for us that, you know, sometimes you're doing a absolutely gorgeous, you know, joint or, or wood carving, but sometimes you just got to sand and paint the boat. And that's, that's life. Hold on for just a second, folks. We're going to talk about your projects a whole lot more here, but I need to pause just for a moment for this very important message. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Back with Wayne and a couple of interns from the Community Boat Project, Roz and Polly, talking about the incredible work that they are involved with. Can I just tell a quick Roz story? Yes, please. So Roz, you know, she did bring in this Can, this can I tell the quick Roz story? Okay, go ahead. Okay. So uh, when I was 14... Roz says, wait a second, wait a second. It's, it takes me a minute, probably but you know it's good. probably the story I'm going to tell. Um, yeah, I do know the story you're going to tell. So when I was 14, I was one of the most socially awkward people you had ever laid your eyes on. It made people physically uncomfortable to look at me. I was so uncomfortable. A lot of anxiety, a lot of like trauma in the home. Didn't know how to relate to people. Yeah. And so my motto was, if you can't make friends, make cheesecake. That's a good motto. My daughter blessing hers is, if you can't make friends, make brownies. She bakes brownies at least two or three times a week. Yeah. I mean, it's a great way to go. So I was baking a cheesecake every Thursday to bring to the shop um, so that everyone would like me and want to be my friend. 
And um, so I was, you know, kind of slowly amassing some social capital at the Community Boat Project all through Baked Goods. It's a great plan, Roz. Great plan, yeah. Like, did you do flavored cheesecake, blueberry, All kinds of weird stuff. Oh, you are my girlfriend. I love this. Yeah. Um, So I had kind of like amassed this sort of social capital. I was quickly like, you know, insinuating myself into this program. And uh, Wayne decided that he wanted me to be on like the team that was going to be lofting and building our new boat for that year. Um, The Epic. It's still the boat we use for the on the water programs. And I was a special ed kid all my life. And I told Wayne that I couldn't be on that team. Um, I didn't have the confidence to believe that I could do these things. And I asked him to take me off that team. And uh, to my eternal gratitude, he said no. (laughs) He very obstinately said, no, no, you're going to do it. You're going to do great. Even if you mess it up, we'll fix it. And um, for all those years we were working on that boat, I was one of the three main students in that project. So, you know, there's Roz's, I will not do math. I'm going to her, that's her line, sand. I'm not going to do math. And we're, we're talking about now lofting, which is taking from a set of plans, a small set of plans, and blowing that set of plans up to full size. And we're lofting now a 33-foot schooner. And uh, just Roz, another young woman called Tati, and a master boat builder, Ray Speck, who built 150 boats in his life. And the three of them have to transfer all this information from plans to reality and then start to build a boat. So does that person have math skills or not? Clearly mad math skills. Absolutely. Amazing math skills. You just can't tell her that it's math. Never say the M word. Never say the M word. (laughs) Call it cheesecake baking. Yeah. No four letter (laughs) words that start with M. Wow. I'm sitting here. I can't even talk. I'm so blessed by that story. Well, you certainly overcame all that social awkwardness because you are delightful and definitely comfortable in your own power and strength. And I love that. I also love the fact, Wayne, that all the students you brought to my farm today are all women. So, yeah, this year we had a paid internship of which Polly was the first one to step up to. Every one of those people were female. But I'm just going to have to say that our thing is not about men or women. Genderless, love that. And so we're actually, you know, it's just kind of an interesting phase where everything was about a woman's empowerment, woman's empowerment. And now we're like, yeah, it's just about people who have traditionally not been able to be attracted to those trades. And that includes, that includes people of color. That includes a lot of Native Americans that includes just a lot of folks. I mean, traditionally you think of boats as like old white guys, you know, but they're so fun to build and get on. Everybody should be on there. I told you earlier, I was raised on the Oregon coast. And one summer I worked at a fish canning plant and we'd go in really early in the morning. And my brother worked there and his job was cutting the fish. So if you were a sports fisherman and you would go catch two salmon You would tag them, bring them in. My brother would cut them with this machine that had these razor sharp knives that came down and chopped them in perfect little steaks. And then my job was to put them in a can and then a machine put the lid on and pressure cook them. And you got to take your salmon home with you four hours later. So I was a cannery girl. And at lunchtime, we would go out on the docks and talk to all the fishermen. 
that were lifelong fishermen, all of them old white men. I don't think there was a single guy there under the age of 50, and there was nobody of, of any, any ethnicity outside of Caucasian. And so, you know, that is the image in my mind of somebody who's building a boat or working on a boat. And I love that you're just blowing that out of the water. So how many boats have you built? I think like from the ground up, we've built four new constructions and we've had some other rebuilds and refer like uh, restoration projects. You know, it's kind of hard to say when we say how many boats do we build because you know, we, we, in this specific thing that we want, um, I mean, you only, you don't need a lot of boats. I mean, we really want one or two boats for our program. So we're constantly refining that design. We're on our fourth iteration of that. It's, it's sailing right now. And I think we're there as far as like the perfect boat. But people bring us dinghies and things all the time to uh, fix up. And so we always try to pick a project that we want the students to be able to handle. We don't want anything that's too crazy. And we want to be able to get it done in a school year. So uh, some of those projects are really easy, just paint jobs. Other ones are, you know, a little bit of restoration work, uh, replanking work. Right now we're restoring a beautiful Mackinac boat that we got from um, a maritime museum that closed up in Anacortes. And it's a great boat, needed a little bit of recaulking. It's going to need some paint, needs to figure out the rigging. That's the kind of project that we're taking on. And it's, then it's going to be another beautiful boat out there in the world. One of our volunteers is going to buy this one. Now, tell me about the the tiny houses. We started to talk about that because that's how I found my way to you. And you're working on one now that's going to be Polly's. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that, Polly. Um, so with tiny houses, I've always kind of like looked at them and I've always, my family, we've gone camping so many times that it's like living inside of a tent trailer is what we would do is like, that just seemed like it never really felt too small for me. Leaving with five people in there, it was like never too small. But just tiny houses and just like living in a different way than everyone else was such a big interest to me. And it was, I didn't want to live in a house where you had like plumbing and you had to deal with just like, I don't know, just like all the other things that houses bring. But living in a tiny house, it's like you can be off the grid completely and it's small enough to where I wouldn't have to buy a house. So with this tiny house project, I kind of just, I didn't really want to like openly ask Wayne and be like, hey, will you hey, build me a house? Would you help me build a house? <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of like me more hinting at it. And he got my hints. And then one day he was like. Hints like, what do you think about building a tiny house for one of the interns? You're the only <laughs> intern. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but well, I think what I first asked was if this next tiny house we built, could I buy it? And he was like, yeah, you can buy it. And then it was like, why not just make one for you that like it's accustomed to you and like what you would like. And for me, that was just life-changing. I remember I was so happy. So you get to design yeah. it the way that you would envision with exactly. the things in it that will make you happy. So yeah. were you involved with the tiny house that I saw online? The no. one that looked like a gypsy caravan? No. Were you, Roz? Uh, that depends on which one it was. And how many of those did you sell? Because it was a fundraiser to fund the program, right? Right. Well, um, when we say tiny houses, we also will have to include a school buses <laughs> and um, and houseboats and some other things like that that we throw in the tiny house category. But, you know, the key is that we work with recycled materials. So what we call upcycling, we try to keep what we actually buy at the hardware store to an absolute minimum. So we have people who build boats, give us tons of wood. We have 
lumber yards at something slightly damaged. We are always scrounging the waste not, want not, second use places. And what we find is what we build with. Then you add a bunch of really great people with artistic vision to that and a lot of manpower. And before you know it, you just have this Magical. organically grown house that just has that living art. It is living art. The one that I saw that I wrote to you about was living art. And I, it was, I know it's made somebody very, very, very happy because it was just, it was joy on wheels. That's right. So she has a home, a safe, comfortable, beautiful, colorful home to live in and to, to start a business out of. And all those students got all those skills and it built community. I love this. That's why it's so it's so easy to like the Shelter from the Storm program. So tell me, Polly, tell me about the Shelter from the Storm program. Is that what your internship is with? Yes, that's what me, Roz, and then another person, Felix, and then Sarah. We are all part of the Shelter from the Storm program, and that's interns building tiny houses for people in the community, along with kids that come on Thursdays for their class. And that's like, I don't know, probably like, how many kids do we have this year? 18? Mm-hmm. Um, and they come and they do tons of different things. Like there's like welding happening. There's people working on the houseboat. There's people carving. There's people working on outboard motors. The place is just bustling with people doing different kinds of things. But I guess our main thing is just on Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays in the morning, it's us, just like the five of us. And we just usually work in my tiny house or we work on just random projects that need to get done. So you were talking, Wayne, about the homeless situation in your community. I just uh, saw a pretty in-depth story online about the homeless situation in San Diego, California, that like one out of four students at one high school are currently homeless. Well, there's different things that go on in different communities. So there's some things that are just national or international trends, and that's wealth distribution. So, you know, wages have not raised for the working man as as fast as the economy has grown. And add to that, uh, the Northwest is a very popular place to come to right now. So gentrification is throughout the Northwest. Suddenly, a lot of the housing is just bought up by people who are retiring from wherever else they don't want to be. And then one of the biggest things that happened to us is Airbnb. I mean, for decades, Port Townsend has what's called shed boy culture. It's a lot of people who move into town. They're either fishermen or they're boat builders or they're just painters, whatever. And they live in some small dwelling, which we generally call a shed. They'd probably call it a tiny house now. And so people were happy with that. You know, they're young or people just simple livers. Now you add Airbnb, which has happened over the last 10 years, and all those places come off the market because for one or two nights, you can get the income that you used to get for a month. So suddenly you've pulled the bottom end housing right out, and suddenly you have a, a huge homeless problem. Well, we can't fix everything, but we can build tiny houses. Right. We are not going to fix these big trends but we can do the little thing that we can do. You know, where does your skill set intersect with the greatest need of the world? And at this place, it's like, oh, if you know how to build something and there's, and you can in some little way uh, help uh, in some small thing about homelessness, uh, that's, that's all you can do. If everybody would do that, that's enough. You know, it would be cured.
Uh, and that that was why I wrote my book, One Heart at a Time, because I think we're all waiting for something outside of us to shift to fix it. And we're getting frustrated because not only is it not happening, it's getting worse. And so we're looking with anticipation to something outside to fix it. But what you're doing, what the the community boat project, what the tiny house project, how many projects are there under the umbrella now? So we have four programs and we are dealing with about 50 kids a year in deep programs. So you're helping them. You're helping them get through school. You're helping them find their passion, give them life skills. More importantly, you're helping them build community and feel comfortable in their own skin and connect with people and get over, like Roz said, that social awkwardness. And you're helping the environment. You're recycling everything and salvaging everything. Do you dumpster dive like I do? Because I love to dumpster dive for goods. Yeah, absolutely. There is so much to live at the benthic level is so wonderful because you have, uh, you know, people come in, they gut houses, they throw all this great stuff right out. Well, that's that's where it can float right on down to us. And then you turn it into beautiful works of art. Yep. Polly goes out about once a week just to hit the different places, looking for her windows and, you know, little bits and pieces. Polly, we need to talk because I... <laughs> I've got some ins with some places. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk. <laughs> send our send our dimensions. Yeah. <laughs> we actually, one of the cool details about Polly's tiny house was we were able to pick up like the glass top of a coffee table yeah. and we framed it up as a window. So now we have this giant oval window sitting in the sleeping loft. That came off a coffee table. Yeah. It was super cool. I remember like Wayne, I think he emailed me because we were just like, just emailed back and forth about like things we can pick up and stuff. And he was like, hey, I found this giant like oval coffee tabletop and let's use it as a window. And I was like, okay, let's do it. Like not really knowing because I've never built anything in my life other than my back porch, which is like a four by four back porch. <laughs> and so we get there and this thing is so heavy. So it's tempered glass, yeah. safety glass. And um, we framed it and stuff. And then I painted the inside like a nice hot pink color because I love pink. And so you can, you can see it from the inside. And I think last Thursday... We put it up and it was one of the most terrifying experiences I think I've had with my tiny house because it's so heavy. And here's Wayne and this other guy, Steve, who comes help. And they were putting it up into the house and I was inside of it on this ladder and I hate ladders. And they were like pushing it in. And then I had to be on the other side, making sure it holding didn't fall. it up so it yeah. doesn't fall through. But we also uh, Steve and I made it so that we put two like braces around the corner. So like it really couldn't fall through. And then I screwed it all in. It was fun. It was terrifying for me but it was fun but you overcame fears (laughs) and you got to see a yeah an amazing thing come to life how did you how did you frame around the oval we can't tell you (laughs) (laughs) trade secrets we are working on poly sense of color so maybe oh by the God. end of the you know, nine months that we'll, we, no. can, we can improve oh, on it's, it's going to be hot. The running yeah. gag here is Wayne's sense of color has always been safety orange. <laughs> I yeah. painted my roof beams, like, because you can see from the inside, like this nice, like, robin's egg blue. And Wayne just couldn't even believe that that was going to be inside my house. <laughs> oh, it sounds beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it sounds beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming and talking to me today. If somebody wants to get involved, how can they find you? Uh, So all our programs are free and accredited. 
And we don't really sell anything. So, of course, we just uh, live on grants and individual donations. And you can find us on the web. So go for Community Boat Project in Port Hadlock. And one thing that Polly is doing right now as part of her internship is she is making sure there's Facebook posts up every week that'll show you the progress of this great new tiny house. Community Boat Project, you can follow the, the building projects. Wayne, if somebody is listening who's a teacher, an educator, a school principal, and they go, oh my gosh, we need to have something like this, maybe not boats, maybe not even tiny houses, but something like this where kids can do hands-on learning and get out of the classroom and into real life, could they contact you to pick your brain on how to get that going? They could definitely contact me. There's not much of a brain to pick. But we could, uh, we can definitely heart, steer though. them in the right direction. It's like a, a salmon try to go through a dam when you work up against the school system as it now stands. But that doesn't mean that it can't be done. Clearly, it can be done because you did it mm-hmm. and it's being done. So it can be done. If one person has done it, it can be done. If one person has started this community boat project and you've been in, in, in existence for almost 30 years, it can be done. Uh, we got just got to find people who are willing to be the salmon swimming up the stream. Yeah. And I think every community is different. You know, we are a maritime community. We started with boats as we started building our program. We kept looking where, where the community needs and we, we have followed those. So it's boats, it's tiny houses. Every community is going to be different. One of the great stories from last year was that there's something called the 7048, which is a row that goes from Tacoma to Port Townsend. And it just started a couple of years ago. And there was a group in the mountains of Colorado that saw that and said, what a cool thing. Let's do it with our kids. And then they got an enormous 30 something foot dragon boat. They cut it into three pieces. They somehow hacked it together. I mean, it was just atrocious boat building, but they got 15 high school kids into this thing and they came here and they did the 7048 and that was a year long project for them. It was, I mean, just an incredible project to watch. One thing about the kids from Colorado, one thing I heard, I don't know if this is like fully true, but I did hear this is that their school had like a school shooting at it. And so they wanted when you research their school, not to come up as the school that got shot up, but as a school that, these kids went and participated in this rowing thing. And so they wanted that to be what comes up, not stuff about their school. Yeah. And we actually had a little bit of that. Chimicum was a pretty good school district, but they've been losing enrollment. And so they've been having budget struggles. And last year, the Chimicum teachers came to us and said, we're tired of Chimicum always getting bad press. Can we borrow one of your boats and do the 7048 so that when people Look at Chimicum schools, they're seeing this great story of these teachers who trained every week so that they could do the 7048, and they did it. So that lifts the spirits of everybody in that school district. Wow. I am so proud of you. I'm so proud of you, kids, and you're young adults, but to me, you're kids, and the heart that you have and the, the way you're transforming communities and transforming lives and, and transformed your own lives. It's awesome. I want to put in also for people that are, you know, trying to enact change in their community. Marcy Van Cleve is certainly a force of nature, but she founded the PI program with four other teachers, you know, 
uh, you can't do it alone. So you got to find the people who will help you out. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. Well, thank you for uh, reaching out to us and let us tell our story and for the work you're doing. It's just amazing to get the good news out there for a change. Amen. We need good news right now. And we need to change the world one heart at a time. And we can't wait. We can't wait for uh, someone out there or something out there to happen. We have to be the change we want to see. So thank you. Thank you, Delilah. Be the change you want to see in the world. That pretty much sums up the message I want to convey to you with this podcast series. Wayne puts it this way. Find where your skill set intersects with the greatest needs. That's how we change the world. One heart, one boat, one tiny house, one cheesecake, one cup of tea, one hug, one listening ear at a time.